0: If you spend time with, with children, or even maybe you yourself are a child, that's possible. Uh, if you spend time with younger people, usually if you talk about God, it's a very abstract conversation. Like, there's a certain point in our life where we can start to understand things a little bit better. But if you're talking with children, one of the things that will usually come up is they'll ask the question, well, what is God like? What is God like? You know, it's a question of, like, what is God's personality? What is God's... Um, character? What is God's makeup? Like, how do we know what God is like? And so if you talk with children, this question comes up, and maybe you've had that question yourself. Maybe it was a long time ago when you were younger, maybe as a child, and maybe you just kind of left it on the back burner and don't think about it much, or maybe it's something you still think about. Like, what is God like? And it's a very fair question to ask, because when we talk about God, a lot of us mean different things. For some of us, when we talk about God, your answer is, well, there is no God, so who really cares? Well, for others of us, we have grown up in a culture and a tradition, and we think of God by the way we've been explained our whole life. And still others of us, we've come to adopt ourselves and adapt ourselves to a religious institution, whether it's a church like ours or somewhere else, and we think, well, that's what God is like. A lot of us have different answers to that very same question. But then the question, second question would be, how can we know what God is like? How can we be sure that how we describe God or what we think of God is really who God is? Or if there is this God that we speak of? It's a question that some of us maybe have, again, put to the back burner and don't really worry about it. We're just concerned with, you know, day-to-day things, so we don't think about it. While others of us, maybe we are wondering this. Like, how do we know what I believe about God is God? How do I know that God is who I think God is? It's a question that people have asked for pretty much ever. Since we've been able to kind of ponder and wonder what is beyond ourselves, we've wondered about who God is or what is beyond our just mere existence from day to day. Whether we've adopted and adapted to different belief systems, we wonder, okay, well, if there is something other than what I see right now, what is that other? Most of us will use the term God. Sometimes people will use a term like the universe. I have a friend who always says that, like, the universe is being good to me. I say, no, that's God. But their understanding of it right now is it's the universe. There's something out there. So we ponder it. We wonder, okay, well, what is that something like? Sometimes, for some of us, we adapt our understanding of that something, whether we call it God or something else, to our experiences. We think, well, God is like us. So who are the us that we see around us? Are they kind? Are they generous? Or are they vengeful and mean and angry? And so we adapt our understanding of God based on those sorts of things. And so we wrestle with it, or maybe we ignore it. What is God really like, and how can we know what God is like? This is a question that actually the authors of Scripture were trying to address in their writing. John, who is known as often we're associating in the Gospels of the the, the disciple that Jesus loved, was a young man, and he wrote the Gospel of John, conveniently enough. And this Gospel of John was an exploration in this question. Well, what is God like? And how do we know what God is like? And he addresses this question into a world that is wondering the same thing. A world where there are religious leaders saying, well, this is what God is like. He's very strict. He has a lot of rules. And if you don't follow them, he's going to get very angry. And there are other leaders and individuals who would say, well, this is what God is like. He takes from you. He does whatever he wants. He consumes. He is all-powerful and doesn't really care about you. And John was wrestling with these worlds around him and going, okay, well, what is God really like? And through his experience and his own encounters, gives us this gospel that tells us this is who God is, and this is how we know God is like it. Over the next few months, we're going to be exploring that gospel. It's a gospel that John wrote specifically for people asking this type of question, or just kind of wondering, well, what is there beyond myself? He makes it very clear in his gospel that he wrote it with an intent and purpose to help us believe in this God, help us know with certainty who he is and how we can know that. And as we start this year, my hope is as we explore this gospel, we can see who this God is in our daily life and see the difference it can make. As John writes his gospel, he writes to invite us to come and see who God is and what he wants us to be doing in this world. And he starts his gospel in the beginning, which was a wise decision. In John 1 1, he starts to mirror some of the early creation accounts that his audience would have known from the book of Genesis. And as he mirrors it in verse 1 1, he says this. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This word that gets used for word is a Greek word logos. And logos is an old word. And yes, it does mean word, and I'm saying that an awful lot right now. I'm very self-conscious about it, I know. But that word isn't simply what we think of as word. John wrote within a context in a world that was influenced by Greek philosophy, as well as Hellenistic Judaism, and philosophers of that time had these ideas around this logos, this word, that was different than what we would describe a word as. For some, they would describe it as a divine essence through which all was created. For others, they describe it as absolute logic and sense and be like, this is the absolute answer to it all. It's logos. They would have different ideas around what it meant, but many of them would say this was the source of creation. Around the same time as John, there was a uh, Hellenistic Jew who was a philosopher at the time named Philo, or Philo, and he would ponder that this word was actually one of the terms used for God. He was a contemporary of John, but John likely did not know him, though some of these ideas were probably circulating in his world. And so as he wrote these words, at the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's writing into a world that sees these terms differently than we do. One of the things that happens with this verse is that it's kind of abstract. And it's a little bit confusing. And sometimes when we get a little bit confused, we can try to make it make sense to us and maybe miss out on what's actually being said. There have been people who've done this throughout time. In fact, people have started religion misquoting this passage. One group is Jehovah's Witnesses. If you have friends who are Jehovah's Witnesses, or if they come to your door and you either ignore them or talk to them, they will often bring up this verse. They'll bring up this verse and they will tell you, you know what, your Bible is wrong. It translates it wrong. In their Bible, it would say that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. And they would argue with you and say, well, see, our English, like my version, the NIV, doesn't matter which English Bible version you use, they would say, you've got it wrong. And you're not understanding who this is really about. And so they would develop this argument, but they would also kind of what's actually happening and mistranslate it. The reason why is because they're kind of bringing an English language issue to try and make sense of this sentence that it was never meant to do. They're dealing with, they add the word a into it, which is a definite or an indefinite article. I'm not an English teacher, so some of you are smarter than me in this, and you can correct me after. But my understanding of Greek is that actually indefinite articles don't exist in Koine. In fact, there are definite articles, which would be the but there are no indefinite articles like A or N. So they actually add a word that was never there to begin with, to make it make it their sense. They would also say that two words that get used for God are different, and they're right on that. But those two words don't actually mean what they think it means. The first word that gets used for God, so T-H-E-O-N, And the second one is theos, T-H-E-O-S. And if you're familiar with Greek, and maybe you're not so familiar with Greek because everything's Greek to you, but if you're familiar with Greek, you know that a lot of words have roots to them, and then the end just changes a little. And that's the same case here. And the word theon, the first one, is actually a Hebraic statement. So it's like a Hebrew translation or interpretation of the word God, which means verily God, or the God, or great God, or almighty God. And theos just means God. They're actually the exact same thing, just one emphasizes the word a little bit differently. When John writes this, he is making a point to say, in the beginning was the word the logos, whatever we describe that is, and he's going to tell us, and the word was with God, present there, and the word was also God, the same essence. There's no difference between the word and God in essence, is what John is stating here. And we're going to find out that word is Jesus. John's first sentence of his gospel makes the point that Jesus is God. And he makes it very clear to his audience, even though for us it might be a little bit harder to get around. But he continues, he says, He was with God, being the word, in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John, as he's writing this gospel for a first century audience to understand the question, who is God, starts off by saying, God was there in the beginning, so was the Word. And the Word was God. And God's always been there, and God's the one who created. And so is the Word. And this Word is the personification of this God who created. He uses a variety of terms to describe who God is. And he describes God as creator, of one who life is found within, and also light. And if you... Join in reading the gospel of John. You'll see how he repeats those things over and over again in his description of Jesus. John is setting up his gospel in these first five verses to say, if you want to know who God is, look to Jesus. He continues in verse, we're going to jump ahead to verse nine. He says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. As John is continuing this prologue of his gospel, and he's saying, like, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, but also the Word is God. He's saying that in Him, light is ge- and life is given to this world. And that in Him, we can know that we are adopted into a family of God. That we are invited into something more, than what maybe our daily experience has been. We're invited into a life that is given by this light of the world. We're invited into more. That the creator of the universe, the one who makes the stars and the sea, the one who unfortunately made snow on a Sunday morning, is the same God who invites you to be his family, to be adopted into his family. And that's not something that he says is given right just because you are born into a family. It's something you have to enter into. As he expresses that, it's not uh, because of children being born of natural descent or human decision or a husband's will, but to be born of God. It's a transition from existing to choosing something so much better. And John's saying, this is the invitation of that word. who was there in the beginning. It was there at creation. Through all of creation comes the He invites you into a family that is more than you think. In verse 14, it says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Eugene Peterson, in his paraphrase, I always appreciated the way he says this. He says, uh, He moved into the neighborhood, that God took on flesh and moved into the neighborhood. It's this idea that this abstract idea of who is God or what is God or how do we know what God is, well, this God actually comes near to us. This God actually is present in people's lives. And so as John is writing his gospel prologue, what we're reading right now, he's telling people, we know who God is because we have lived with Jesus. We can know who God is because we've experienced life with Jesus. That the very one who created the universe the neighborhood and was present with them, that the same one who invites us to be his family is present with us in our daily moments. John, as he's writing this to his audience and to us, he's saying, come and see who God is. It's Jesus. As he's writing and he's encouraging and as he's desiring for his people to know that this word is full of grace and truth. This word is present with us. In verse 16, he goes, out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. This simply means abundant grace. It's just a way of saying it. It sounds a little strange in our language, but he's basically saying there's grace and so much grace on top of that. He says, Out of this fullness we have received all grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is in close relationship with the Father, has made him known. That is John's point. That all of our questions about who is God or how do we know God is answered in Jesus. All of our questions of like, well, is God an angry, vengeful person? Is God this guy on a cloud with a long beard? Is God like the gods of mythology that just take what they want and abuse human existence? John says, well, this is a God who came near. This is a God who we sang about and use the words Emmanuel. God with us. This is Jesus. And Jesus is showing us something different. It's grace upon grace. It's all grace and truth embodied in a person. John is inviting his audience and inviting us to really understand who God is. So when we come to the question, how can we know what God is like? We can look to Jesus and we can get our answer. We can develop all of our ideas of what God is like in an abstract way. We can say, well, God is like this because my experience in life hasn't been good. So God is an angry God. God is not kind. But that's not true. That's your experience in a moment. If you want to know what God is like, you look to Jesus. And the amazing thing about the story of Jesus is that not only do you want to know what God is like, you look to Jesus. If you want to know what it's like to be human, you look to Jesus. If you want to know what it's like to experience grief, you look to Jesus. If you want to know what it's like to experience love, you can look to Jesus. If you want to know what it's like to be suffering and hurting, you can look to Jesus. John is making his point that all of your human experience can be experienced through Jesus. The one who created the universe The one who we say, well, what is God like? That's what God is like. All of our own human experience is found in him. And if we want to find out how to more and more experience life in all of its fullness, we can look to Jesus. As John was writing in this first century world, trying to help people understand that when you ask the question, what is God like? You have a physical answer in front of you, for some people. And people could tell that story of that experience. As John wrote his gospel for us for generations later to read, we can look to Jesus and see what God is like. And also know what it means to be human. Because in Jesus, the fullness of God and the fullness of humanity resides. The one who was there in the beginning, as John tells us, through all creation was made, is the same one who stepped into the earth, came as a baby, but died on a cross for our forgiveness of sins and to experience life in the fullness. That same one invites people to be a family, not out of natural experiences, but out of divine providence. To be part of his family. To choose to be something more than just existing day to day. John's prologue introduces us to this Jesus and invites us to say, let's come and see what it means to be human and who is this God you want to know. If you're at a place where you're trying to figure out is God-like, the ultimate answer is look to Jesus. For those of us who are here right now in this room or watching online, you're not looking at a physical Jesus. We have that reality. But we have a gift of Scripture. And John wrote his account for us to understand who this Jesus is better. He wrote his account to invite us to come and see what it means to follow him. And so if you're wondering, well, what is God like? Or you want to know more about what is God like? Look to Jesus through John's gospel. Maybe this month, take the time. If you're not joining us with our yearly uh, Bible reading, start reading John's gospel today. If you read a chapter a day, you'll be done by the end of the month. It takes you less than five minutes. It's an opportunity for you to come and see who the God who created the universe really is. The God who is not absent in our experiences, but present with us always. The God who we can really know because of who Jesus is. God. As we're in this series, we're going to be in this for a little while. It's going to lead us into Easter. We're inviting you to come and see who Jesus is. We're inviting you to see the difference knowing who he is knowing that He is God, can make in your daily life. But that invitation doesn't mean anything if you don't choose to go with it. If you don't choose to spend time seeing Jesus. If you don't choose to spend time in Scripture. That's your side. Your choice. My desire for you is to come and see who He is. And why it matters. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are the God who came near to us, that you invite us to be part of your family, not out of uh, just our normal everyday experiences, but out of the choice to acknowledge who you are. Verily, God who we know through Jesus. My prayer for us as a community, my prayer for us as a world, is to know you, Jesus, as our Lord and Savior, as the God who created all, and to witness and experience the difference that can make so we can invite others to come and see. God, we come to you this moment in different places. For some of us, uh, we're not asking the question, what are you like? Because we don't care. For others of us, maybe we've been asking that question for a long time because of our experiences. We've felt absent from you or you're absent from us. And others, maybe we felt like we've been in church for so long, we don't need to ask that question. But I think maybe we need to be reminded who you really are. And that we can know who you are because of Jesus. And that in Jesus we can see all of your goodness and character. But also see what it means to be human. Help us to learn in this human experience what it means to be more like you by looking to Jesus. Let's pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.